Hey listeners, my name is Elisha, the founder of the Witnesses Podcast. It's so beautiful to have you listening to our podcast. And I want you to know something that that means a whole lot to me. Thank you for tuning in. And one thing I love to tell all of our listeners is, it's not just about you listening, but listening to understand. Understanding is the most important thing. So important. So, you have to listen, learn, and practice. Thank you so very much and happy listening. Hi, Matt. It's so nice to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Elijah. I've been so excited to talk with you about this incredible show you have. That's so good. Okay, you know, oftentimes I love to talk about the essence of this show, which is to invite amazing guests, amazing guests like Matt, to come talk to us about their triumphant stories. Because we believe that in our audience, there might be someone who is talked up in a situation that Matt came out of triumphantly. So by listening to you speak, that person or people might actually pick an information that will lead to their transformation. So within the next few minutes, Matt, let us get started with your story, the challenges that you faced, and now you overcame them. Then afterwards, I've got some mm, beautiful questions for you. Okay, over to you, Matt. Let's get started. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, the challenge, the, the biggest challenge that I faced was not even my challenge. It was something that I inherited, and it was the emotion of shame. So my grandfather came over on the boat from Ireland to the United States, and it was the early 1900s, and many people from Ireland were immigrating to the United States because of a potato famine. Well, there were so many Irish people on the streets of New York that if you had an Irish accent, you were immediately called a scab, you were looked down upon, you, you were made to feel less than society because of you, the way you spoke and where you came from. And, you know, other people can relate to that feeling of not being enough. And that's how shame can start to take hold. Well, you know, other things that happen when we're young can form us into this feeling that we're not enough as we are. Well, my grandfather, his mother and his brother both died of tuberculosis shortly after they got to the United States. And so he was abandoned by his mother. And then he felt he wasn't worthy of having a mother's love. So what happened next is his, his father, who couldn't find work, uh, ended up doing the only job he could do, which was taking care of the horses at the police station. Unfortunately, he, uh, he got into a heavy drinking because the pain of losing his wife was so strong and, and it was pretty tough. Uh, one of the days that he was drinking and he was at work, he got kicked in the head by a horse and, and he, was, he was killed. So now my grandfather was eight years old, orphaned on the streets of New York, thinking he wasn't enough because of the way he spoke, thinking he wasn't enough to have a father or have a mother. And it was a really hard life. And, you know, this is 1910. And um, he took his dead brother's driver's license, or not driver's license, birth certificate when he was 15 just to get off the streets. He enlisted in the army. And that was a saving grace. It got him out of the, it got him out of the streets and it gave him a job and a purpose. But he still had this shame that he wasn't enough. Well, he ended up driving for the for the army and then uh, got out of the army and became a truck driver. And one of his stops was in Michigan, 
where I grew up. And in Michigan, he met a woman who also had deep shame. And this is what happens when we are in a certain emotion. We attract other people to us that are like that emotion. So uh, the woman he met, Marjorie, also lost a parent. When she was just a baby, her dad died. And I don't know how he died. Uh, but this means her mom in the early 1900s was, you know, a 20 something with a baby and needed to take care of herself. And she didn't know how she was going to. Women didn't just get jobs in the early 1900s. So she gave my grandmother away to her parents to raise. And then she met a new man and had five more children. All the while, my grandmother was watching her real mom who gave her away raise a new family and, and not giving her love. So she felt shame that she didn't deserve a mom, that she wasn't enough. This is what happens when we're kids. These big things happen that didn't have anything to do with us. But as a child, we always are thinking it's about us. And so she, and she just thought there's something wrong with me. I'm unlovable. Well, my grandfather who felt he was unlovable met my grandmother who thought she was unlovable and they, they were attracted to each other. They both felt the same way, and they ended up having two children. One of them was my dad. Well, this is what you do when you don't feel you're enough and you feel like the world is harsh. For your kids to help them, you make sure they know that they're not enough so the world won't surprise them with that nasty little thing. So my grandfather was very hard on my dad, and my grandmother never showed him love because she never had been showed love and so my dad grew up thinking he wasn't enough that, yeah, he had his two parents. They weren't dead, but they didn't show him any love, which can be even worse. You think they're here, but they don't like me. There must be something wrong with me. And so that's what my dad thought. And uh, so then he met my mom and my, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. My mom's <laughs> father also died when she was young. And so she had some of these same feelings. And my dad and my mom both had like these insecurities about not being enough. And so when I was growing up, my dad was a really, it was a really traumatic upbringing because he felt such deep shame that he wanted to make sure we knew we sucked. You know, anything we did wasn't good enough. We say hi the wrong way. He fly off the handle. It was just this constant Jekyll and Hyde and you wouldn't know who was showing up. And then as a, as a kid, so this is me now, a little child, just say the wrong thing. And all of a sudden, I'm eating a full bar of soap and I've got this giant monster who's extremely intimidating and very strong and powerful. And it was a really scary environment. And um, so then what do I learn? I learned that no matter what I do, I'm not enough. And um, so this led to me, you know, I, I, anytime I would bring home something good in school, my mom would praise the heck out of me and say, you're so smart. And so that's where I, I leaned in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get love if I perform at a really high level. So I started to really focus on school and I would get good grades and my mom would tell me how great I was. And that made me feel like I was enough. And so I performed well in school, but the whole while I still had this, like I was trying to fill a hole in me that made me feel like I was worthy with external accomplishments and it doesn't work. So I fell into drugs and alcohol as many people do. And uh, thankfully, one day, it was, uh, I was 25 years old, I got this book called The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. And in the book, she said, you are creating everything in your life with your thoughts and your emotions. 
And as soon as I woke up to that, I was like, what? All of my problems, everything that is going wrong is because of my own thoughts that I'm attracting everything to me by the way I'm thinking and feeling. And, yeah. and I was I was doing drugs daily. I was over drinking. I was drinking and driving like it was a train wreck. Right. Because all because I felt awful. I was like anytime we're addicted to substances like that, it's, it's really a, a cry out that we don't even want to be here anymore. And that book like had me start to say my life doesn't have to be this way anymore. I can start to choose to change my thoughts and change my emotions. And then my external world will reflect my new internal world. And so I did. I, I spent the next two decades working on uh, learning everything I could about psychology, emotions, spirituality, and uh, ended up starting the Good Mood Show podcast after just all of this research and work to teach people how they could heal the wounds that they had when they were young and then choose good moods. Amazing, Matt. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, let us... Um begin with the first question and uh, let's talk about the science of happiness how can one unlock the secret to a good mood yeah you got that? yeah absolutely i did the secret to a good mood is to start to examine when you feel bad it seems counterintuitive but in the absence of feeling bad our natural state is happiness. Our natural state of being is joy, is loving. So anytime we're not feeling that, we're believing a lie in our subconscious. So it, it really starts to say, okay, if I'm not feeling joyful, then there is some lie in my subconscious. There are, in, there are eight lies of the ego. There are eight different kinds of bad moods. I just described the most harmful one, shame, this feeling that we're not enough. Well, if we can find in ourselves where we don't feel enough, then we can tell the truth. And the truth is very much more powerful than the lie. The lie says I'm not enough. The truth says you're more than enough. You were loved so much by your creator that you're, that you're here. Like, it's just crazy that you get to be here in the first place. And, and that's an affirmation that you're enough to, to belong, that you're here. And so once you start to flip these lies around from I'm not enough to I'm more than enough, and you repeat the truth to yourself in a mantra or an affirmation, the lie starts to disappear. And it doesn't take that long. Daily repetition of the opposite of these things that make us feel bad uh, can, can change our mindset within a matter of 30 days. And so this is, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins' work. And Tony said, if, if any time you are repeating things over and over again, bad or good, that's who you become. Well, our brain has repeated negative things like I deserve punishment. I deserve to be abandoned. Um, mm. I'm not lovable. It's repeated those things so long. We believe them. But once we find it, we just say, Hey, where do I, where do I feel bad? You know, what's, what are these thoughts that are, that are making me feel bad? And once you write them down and then you write the truth that you want to feel next to it and you start to repeat the new things, I am lovable. I have so many people who support me. I've always been protected. I've always been guided. You start to write these things down. You reaffirm those things every single day. Uh, you change everything. Mm -hmm. I got that. I got that. Okay, so the second question. It says, how does a positive mindset impact other areas of our life? You got it? It's, it's everything, Elijah. 
Yeah, Boom. positive. So we can be successful and feel bad, but that's the ultimate failure. So, Ooh. you know, like I was saying, I was getting all these good grades, and, and, but I was feeling awful inside. And that means I was not truly successful because until we have a positive mindset, until we actually feel good, life is not worth it. So um, one of the ways that I, I created a positive mindset for myself is every day we always know all the things we messed up at. You know, our brain is like, oh, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you yeah. sent that email. Like, oh man, you messed that one up so bad, Matt. What were you thinking? Right. And so we re, re, we're always replaying everything we did wrong over and over and over. And this creates more negativity. So to counteract that, a very, very simple thing. I, I've been doing it every morning for over a decade. I write down three things I did well the day before. Hmm. So every morning I start the day and I just think, what did I do well yesterday? So I'll give you three for me. Uh, yesterday morning, I rewrote a chapter of my upcoming book in a very powerful way. And I was really proud of the way it turned out. Wow. And that made, you know, so this morning I'm like, okay, I did great at that. I rewrote that chapter. That was great. Uh, yesterday I took my daughter to her soccer game and it was yeah. so cold. It was so cold, but I sat out in the cold <laughs> and I cheered her on. And yeah. that was something that made me feel really good. And then yesterday my wife and I went to dinner with two of our good friends and we laughed so much. So, so that I, these are the three things I wrote down this morning. And if you start your day every day thinking of what you did well the day before, you start to say, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm always doing good things. And then that builds this positivity that I'm going to do more good things today rather than the mind that always tells us everything we did wrong. Beautiful. Okay, so the very last question is, what is the best advice you've ever heard about creating a life of lasting happiness? The best advice you've ever heard? Mm. My favorite uh, book on creating lasting happiness was written by my good friend, Matthew Micheletti, and his wife, Ashley Cottrell. They wrote a book called The Inner Work. And my best advice came from uh, Matt when he said, there's two, two parts to your being. You have the ego, which is your brain, and it's, all, it's constantly trying to keep you to survive. But it's always looking for what's wrong, because when we were coming up through the jungle, we had to be scanning for anything that could harm us always, or else we would be killed. So it was all, it's always looking for what's wrong. And he said, the other piece to us is our soul. And our soul is eternal. Our soul is the part that is connected to God. It is pure love. And the ego is always going to be looking to get ahead, to make a gain. It'll cheat to win because it'll do anything to survive. But and that's, it doesn't go away. It's just there. It's just part of our psychology. It's always going to be there. But we don't have to listen to it. We don't have to do what it says. And when we listen to our soul and our soul says, love everybody, forgive everyone, do what's right, even if it costs you the win. When we listen to the values of our soul and we do what's right and we act with integrity and we love other people, even when they don't deserve our love because they've done something to harm us, if we can find forgiveness, then our whole life becomes blessed. 
it's crazy. Like it, like everything starts to work. And so uh, going back to my original story about my grandfather and my grandmother and my father, it took me a long time to forgive my dad for the way that I was raised. But once I started to understand he didn't harm me because he wanted to harm me, he harmed me because he didn't know any better. It wasn't personal. He was doing the best he could. He just had a set of circumstances that he was raised in that he and he and he never learned to overcome it. As soon as I could see him with compassion and forgive him and offer him love and grace now, uh, I healed him and I healed me. That's true. Beautiful. So that's going to be the end of the show, Math. Okay, let's say there is someone or some people who would like to reach out to you, learn more about what you do. How can that be possible? Yeah, you know, the best place is to go to the Good Mood Show podcast on Apple or Spotify. You can go to goodmoodshow.com or just search for The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. And, uh, and that's a way to plug in and, and find tips to feel good every day. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for honoring the invite, Matt. Thank you for coming. It means a whole lot. Thank you. Elijah, thanks for having me, man. Thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode. Your support means the world to us, and we truly value you. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback is greatly appreciated.